Support for Panthers on Tap is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. We both have received Performance Package 4.0 for free. And guys, let me tell you, it's a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. It is the perfect gift for your dad, grandpa, brother, husband, or boyfriend, or really anyone with hair. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skincare technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4000 LED spotlight. Bryson and I both put it to the test with our boys down below. Let me tell you, it is about as automatic as the Clown X route. Cam Newton on fourth and one, CMC out of the backfield, and Baker Mayfield to DJ Moore. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TAP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code TAP20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Curtis, the lawnmower 4.0 is no joke, man. Uh, I don't know how to put it lightly, but uh, I mean, you can say the lawnmower 4.0 saved my marriage. No, I'm just kidding. But it, it, it is a very, <laughs> very good, uh, you know, service for the boys down below. Um, and then I, I wanted to uh, shout out something that I didn't talk about last week with uh, with Manscaped. What was the crop reviver? Um, this past weekend, I, I was up uh, in West Virginia and, and was golfing and you know, spent some time out, out with the boys and we didn't want to have to go back and shower. So I used the crop reviver and I was sweatier than Dave Gettleman waiting to submit a first round card for a hog molly. And I, I put the crop reviver on, on, on my balls down below, man. And uh, it smelled like I just got out of the shower. So uh, just really good products. And I'm very impressed by, by Manscaped. Again, you guys can get 20% off and free shipping. Use our code. It's tap 20 at manscaped.com. Bryson, a lot to talk about tonight. The Panthers have dropped the initial 53-man roster. Looking over kind of what we projected last week, I feel like we're pretty close. I mean, give or take a few guys here and there. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that, just kind of initial thoughts on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we can go through it uh, position by position, but just initial quick thoughts, I guess, overall. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there were too many surprises uh, for the most part. Um, I think, you know, obviously the trade of LaVisca Chenault, getting him from the, the Jags uh, kind of shook up the wide receiver room a little bit. And, you know, uh, some of our our crowd favorite guys like C.J. Saunders and Zilstra uh, were, were uh, casualties because of that. So, um LaVisca is obviously a very good player and um, was in a kind of a bad situation in Jacksonville. And hopefully he can revive his career like uh, C, like uh, uh, CJ can here in uh, Carolina. So um, I think that, you know, uh, Zilstra was, was one of my favorites, but it is what it is. I think he'll be picked up by a different team. I don't, I'm, I don't think he'll make it to the practice squad, but uh, I guess one. Buffalo or in Washington. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess one area that I was a little bit surprised, not I mean, not like it was of much importance, but uh, they kept Sullivan over Colin Thompson. I felt like Colin Thompson was kind of like a guy in the locker room that everybody liked, and uh, he's been around for a while. But um, I guess they like Sullivan's 
uh, abilities more. He's, you know, he's more athletic and, uh, I think he was a former wide receiver that's converted to a tight end. So just, just more athletic overall. And I think that he has a higher ceiling. So, um, I think other than, than that, not really too many areas that surprised me. I think we predicted the offensive line, um, spot on. I don't think we missed any, um, anything on the offensive line in our projections, but, uh, did anything stick out to you? Rob, very similar to to your take, to be totally honest. Nothing real shocking. Uh, again, the Chenault, the Chenault trade kind of put the dagger in any of those back-end wide receivers making the roster. I mean, which is a – it's a good sign because that room is, I mean, pretty deep across the board now. I don't think there's any real big question marks. I guess you can maybe put one aside. TMJ, Terrace Marshall Jr. of his availability, but it sounds like he's ready to roll from what Matt Rule has said this week. But let's let's get into it a little bit. Um, quarterbacks, they're keeping three right now. That'll That's going to probably change tomorrow. They have to keep Sam Darnold on the roster for a day. He has to make the 53 before they can put him on the short-term IR, which would put him out at least four weeks. But they're keeping three QBs, Baker, Sam, and P.J., Running backs, like we thought, Christian McCaffrey, Deontay Foreman, Chuba Hubbard. I know you love Chuba Hubbard. I know you're very happy to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very <laughs> glad to see him sticking around. Tight ends, I think the one, the one you mentioned we missed um, was Colin Thompson. I thought he'd make the roster. Uh, Steven Sullivan, he did have that nice corner route this past weekend. Baker Mayfield, I think, is the one that threw it. Um, they're definitely, it looks like, going with upside there. He seems bigger, a bigger mm -hmm. size tight end. So they're going to keep four tight ends, Ian Thomas, Tommy Tremble, Giovanni Ricci, and then Sullivan. Wide receivers, for the most part, we had it correct besides the trade. I think that's what threw it for the loop. Um, DJ Moore, Robbie. Uh, Chanel, Terrace Marshall, Shai Smith, Rashard Higgins, and then they they slide Andre Roberts in there. So they're keeping seven wide seven wide receivers. Technically six. Roberts is probably just specifically going to play special teams. Offensive line, we nailed it. Yeah, hell yeah, we did. Cade Mays. Cade Mays was rising up. His versatility, I think, really helped him and his performance in the preseason. And I don't know. It just seemed like Deontay Brown could never get his weight down. He was having too much fun at uh, Bojangles and mm -hmm. Cookout. And uh, what, what else is uh, in Charlotte that's good to eat at? No. <laughs> Those are too just the options. fast foods. Yeah, there, there's a lot of good shit in Charlotte. But, you know, it just seemed like Deontay Brown and Matt Rule were never on the same wavelengths yeah. since he came in. Um, I'm sure he's going to be picked up. I was thinking about it today. I just feel like this is a Bill Belichick move. He's going to find a way to get this guy, and then he's going to turn out to be some stud as a guard. Just watch. <laughs> yeah. just, just seems like a, a, a Bill Belichick move. But, again, they're keeping nine offensive linemen, Iki Aquanu, Brady Christensen, Alfine Corbett, Moten, Bozeman, Irving, Jordan, and Mays. They got some good depth. I know a lot of people hate Irving, but for him to be a backup, it's not a bad thing. He's yeah, he's played. He's played. He's has time in this league. So 
and Jordan played a lot last year. I, I get it. He was Bengals cut bait with him, and we know how bad that offensive line was last year. But still another guy who's got game day experience. And then Cade Mays, who I think was a pretty good pickup for them, especially in the sixth round. So that's kind of squares out the offense. Um, we did pretty well there, to be totally yeah. honest. Any area out of those position groups, what's the weakest? Uh, I'd I say definitely tight end. Tight end. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I'm I'm a big Tommy Trimble fan, and um, I mean, I'm to the point where I'm considering buying his jersey because I believe that much in him. But um, I think that with Ian Thomas and Sullivan, and then Richie obviously being like the hybrid fullback uh, tight end, um, it's just it's just an unproven group, really. I, you can't. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a weakness. Obviously, other group other position groups have more proven talent. So um, I think that if you base it off of that, then you can say it's a weakness, but I, I think I, I have faith in that group. I think that Trimble and Thomas can be good tight ends. So, um, Trimble, especially I've talked about it before. I think Trimble is going to be a star in this league. So um, very excited about him, but yeah, I'd say they're probably the quote unquote weakest uh, out of, out of everybody. I'm just excited to have a group of offensive linemen that are, I think can get the job done, especially the starters. And then to have the the players like Michael Jordan and Cameron Irving and Pat Elfline that were starters last year be your backups. It is just, it's a breath of fresh air. It really is. I think that they, they did a great job in free agency, bringing in Corbett and uh, drafting Aquani, bringing in Bozeman. Uh, I think that it's just really, it's really been different really for mm-hmm. the past five, six, seven years um, than what we're used to in Carolina. So I'm excited for a top, 15 potentially offensive line so yeah and I know the big question was could Scott Fitter and Matt Rule turn around the offensive line and get a quarterback like could Mm -hmm. they do those both in the offseason and I think I think Scott did I really like I think Baker Mayfield is a solid is going to be a solid QB yeah and the offensive line but you just mentioned I mean across the board with a mix of a rookie, a second-year guy who's shown improvement, uh, and then you got center and right guard who are veterans have been in this league, have been on Super Bowl-winning teams, and then you have Taylor Moten who's just been a rock on the right side. So Scott has done a really nice job with this offensive line, and he deserves a pat on the back. And and the trades too with Chanel, um, yeah. it sounds like – he might play that wide back role, uh, maybe a little Debo Samuel come out of the backfield, Curtis Samuel type esque player, bigger obviously, a bigger a bigger a wide wide receiver, but that's going to give Ben McAdoo some versatility. I think Ricci is a kind of a sleeper type player where you don't expect him to do something, and he's going to be a fullback that leaks out. He's done it a lot in preseason. Um, but yeah, I definitely think the tight end group is probably the weakest. Ian Thomas hasn't really played. I mean, he's been yeah. injured and he was supposed to be, you know, the the quote unquote number one guy, if you want to call him that, um, with with the contract he got. But that's definitely a room I wouldn't mind them adding to, to be honest, yeah. over these next couple of days. I don't know if it's gonna happen. They might roll with who they got, but OJ Howard was cut by the Bills, and uh, that's been floated around on Twitter a lot today. So maybe that's a guy they look at. Um, very athletic, 
uh, kind of worries me that he didn't catch on with the Bucks or the Bills, uh, two very good teams with very good coaches. But um, it might be a guy they throw a dart at and, and throw him in there and, and see what he does. I mean, he's definitely like a Sullivan build. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, I don't think it'd be a reach to say O.J. Howard's probably a little better than Stephen Sullivan. So uh, I think maybe that's someone they throw a dart at and see if it sticks. Well, let's go to the defensive side of things. And I still didn't think we did too bad here. Uh, we A couple misses, um, me more in the safety realm. But um, defensive linemen, they went with 10. Brian Burns, Gross Matos, Haynes, Barno, Brown, Ioannidis, Roy, Nixon, Hoskins, and McCall. I'm really happy with McCall. I didn't mm-hmm. see a lot from him, and this has been me, you know, may not have been paying too close attention to the D-line in some of those tail end of the games, but I saw him last game. I remember tweeting about it. He had a couple of good pushes in the game, and I believe, I want to say, had a sack. Um, yeah, he did again, Yeah, he, he – I just saw a lot of push up the middle from him, so I'm happy that he made the roster. Um I was looking at my prediction. I think I had them keeping Daryl Johnson. They ended up cutting him today. Um, But that was the only real big, I think, uh, big cuts out of the D linemen were that and and then McCall making the team. Do you have any any surprises there at all? No, I I had him cutting Hoskins and I had him cutting Johnson. um, But I also didn't have McCall making the – squad so they kept Hoskins and McCall but everything else was um pretty uh spot on for for us I think um the defensive end is still a very thin group they have four basically defensive ends uh, with Burns, Grismatos, Haynes and Barno uh that worries me a little bit they got you know quite a bit of defensive tackles with Brown, Ioannidis, Roy, Nixon, Hoskins and McCall now so hopefully Knock on wood, we make it through the season with little to no injury on the defensive line, especially in the defensive end area, because it has a thin group right there. So um, that's probably my most worrisome group out of the whole team, uh, especially in the, in the, in the run, run game, which we saw a little bit of against the Bills. They struggled uh, against Duke Johnson, who was cut today. So uh, yeah. we'll see yeah, and that and And, th- I mean – we're not going to be talking about this really tonight, but they have a big test week one going up against one of the best running back rooms in the league. So Derek Brown, I know he was, it was precautionary him pulled out of that preseason game last week, but that is concerning. I think they still need to bring someone in, in this group. I saw today, I think it was Danny Shelton. That was the guy they brought in. He was cut by the chiefs. I don't know if it was a money thing of why they didn't bring him in um, or they just didn't like what they saw in the physical, but that might be a guy if they're interested in bringing in Um, linebacker. I feel like it was pretty, wasn't too many, nothing real surprise there. I think you hit this one right on the head. This was Shaq Thompson, Damian Wilson, Frankie Louvu, Corey Littleton and Brandon Smith. So they carry five. They looks like they put Julian Stanford on the IR. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he honestly would have probably made the team if he hadn't. I, 
I guess I didn't know this. He led the team in special teams tackles last year. So that's oh wow, yeah, I had a, a hard time believing they were going to cut him. Um, but it looks like he saves them a spot on the roster with his injury. So linebackers pretty straightforward. Again, a group that I feel like early on in the offseason we were a little worried about. But I feel like this is a pretty solid group if all healthy. Yeah, I mean, top to bottom, uh, each guy is really solid. I think that um, Brandon Smith has really come on as a rookie. That's kind of you, – you didn't really expect because they drafted him and it was kind of more of like a project, I think, uh, in that front office and around the league. Teams thought that he was more of a project, but he's coming and really balled out in the preseason. And Corey Lubton's fit in well in uh, Phil Snow's defense, Damon Wilson just as well. And then obviously with Frankie Louvu and Shaq Thompson being the leaders of that group. Uh, I think that really all five of those guys can contribute and contribute at a high level for this team. So very happy with that group. Yeah. And then we go to cornerbacks. Um, for the most part, I thought, again, I thought for the most part, we did pretty well with these cuts, but uh, J.C. Horn, they're only carrying five corners. It's Horn, Jackson, Henderson, Taylor, and Thomas Oliver, I guess, if you consider Hartsfield, but they put him in the safety category for some reason. Five corners they have, and then they're carrying five safeties, Chin, Woods, Hartsfield, Franklin, and Chandler. Sounds like they like Franklin and Chandler for special teams. Hartsfield, obviously, the nickel corner in, in, in certain circumstances. And then Chin and Woods are your starters. I had them cutting um, Kenny Robinson. I don't know if it had anything to do with the New England scuffles or what, but I'm not surprised they got rid of him. I get it. It was a fifth-round pick. Um but that wasn't a shock to me, really. I thought Tay Hayes would have made the roster. I guess not. I feel like they probably thought, I mean, he obviously got cut over. It looks like they had, you know, they, I think they clearly have put an emphasis on special teams players and Franklin and Chandler out of like Tay's though. Not going to be, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I, uh, I had him making the roster in our cuts, but I had, uh, Corners spot on but with the addition of Hayes and then Hartsfield. I had him throw him with corner because I think he's going to play more of a nickel. But I don't, they have him listed as, listed as a safety. Maybe he's going to play safety. I don't know. But I think keeping Sean Chandler and Franklin over guys like Hayes and Robinson, in my opinion, is is a mistake. I think that Robinson plays with an edge. Obviously, sometimes a little bit too much of an edge starting fights and training camp with the Patriots, but we really don't have a whole lot of guys like Robinson on this team that are, you know, just headhunters, like not in a bad way, but like he's looking to hit you every single time that you come across the middle or whatever. We don't have a whole lot of guys like that. And I felt like Robinson really has improved from the time he was drafted. He was a guy from West Virginia, went to the XFL, had a really good career in the XFL, then was drafted out of the XFL in the fifth round. So I think that, Hopefully they can bring him back on the practice squad. I think that they want to keep him around, but uh, I'm not a huge fan of Sean Chandler. Uh, last year he he allowed a perfect passer rating and coverage, so not a good safety really. But uh, I guess they do like him on special teams. And then Franklin, I think, has flashed a little bit, but 
I really like Tay Hayes. I'm hoping that he can stick around on the practice squad, but he may have flashed a little too much for that. And teams, yeah. you know, needy in the corner area may try to snatch him from us. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, Kalen Barnes, another one. Not yeah, too surprised. We talked about him a little bit last week. Not too surprised. I know he was a draft pick this year. I think he was, wasn't he the fastest guy in the combine? Yeah, fastest guy in the draft. Um, so that that's another guy. Again, this room, this cornerback room was so deep that, I mean, guys, there, there were decent guys in this room that were going to get cut. It's just yeah. they're, they're way too deep there. I'm still shocked with Thomas Oliver. I don't know that yeah. he just, I don't know if I don't watch enough special teams to see what he's doing out there, but I, I'm, it's just, his name has never crossed my mind in a game I've watched and said, Holy shit, look at 23 out there. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something, but I think no, I, uh, I agree with you. I haven't, I, I was, I was going to mention that as well. Like I really don't understand the the STO love from Matt Rule, but obviously Matt Rule's there every single day and sees what he's doing on special teams and at practice and stuff. So um, I don't think you know his commitment to the game or his heart for the game is in question or anything like that. Uh, I think that Matt Rule really just likes a, a good special teams player and that's what he is. But I don't know if Tay Hayes couldn't have been that, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, he he is a guy that they they drafted, Thomas Oliver. I think he was like a sixth-round pick, if I'm not mistaken, or seventh. And um, he's been with the team for a while, so he sticks around again. Yeah, Justin Burris, another one I feel like they're going to try to bring back on the practice squad if they can. It sounded like Kenny Robinson was another one they'd like to bring back. Um, Tecklenburg, I'm sure they'd like to bring back. Oh, yeah. Some guys That's on the offense. Um, so we'll see. I mean, there's, again, a couple of those wideouts like Saunders. I feel like Saunders, if he didn't get hurt, I mean, now with the trade, I don't think he would have had a shot with the Chanel trade. But, like, Saunders is a guy who I could see as a fringe, you know, six wide receiver on, on an NFL roster. I don't. I don't see why not. Love it. Another guy who's shown flashes. I know you probably – I think you said you wanted him over Hubbard. <laughs> yeah, I just – I'm just not a fan of Chuba Hubbard at all. I think that he's shown – he just lacks a lot of NFL qualities that you look for in a running back, especially catching the ball. Um, and we all saw that beautiful throw from Baker Mayfield between the two linebackers that Chuba dropped in the first play of the game. He targets Hubbard out of the backfield. Baker Mayfield does, and Hubbard drops the ball. It's just he he struggles in blitz pickup. His vision doesn't seem like it's all there. Um, he flashes sometimes. He has good speed, but I just think that there are other running backs. Like in, in that last preseason game, Lovett looked really good running the ball and catching the ball. So uh, there were people that were cut today that I think is a clear upgrade over Chuba at at the th third running back, such as Duke Johnson. What um, round did they pick him in? Chuba was like a fifth round, I think, or fourth. Fifth or fourth. It, oh, one he of those was two. that late. I thought he was yeah. like a third. Okay. No, um, but still, I mean, that's pretty high draft pick. But, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they, you know, we saw today Alex Leatherwood from the Raiders, who was a first-round draft pick, was it last year? Last year. But that was overall. Also, 
that was a questionable pick last year, but still, yeah. But yeah. That, that's it. an athletic offensive tackle from Alabama. So um, I think that he'll be picked up elsewhere and hopefully revive. His oh, career, absolutely. But, that you don't ever see that. Yeah. But I mean, it's just, you know, teams move on when they move on. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that, you know, we are, I think, I think we're in a good position overall with our roster. I really do. Yeah. Hubbard. I don't mind him as a back. I think he's had, again, like you said, I think he's had some flashes, but his drops drive me up a fucking wall. They Mm do. I mean, you were texting me this weekend and I think I texted you. I'm for folks who don't know, I've had a cold over the weekend. I I think I told Bryce, I said, Chuba couldn't even catch my fucking cold. I mean, the guy just, he's, he's had drop issues since he's been here. I don't know what he did in college. Cause I didn't really watch much of his tape in college, but I don't know if that was an issue then too, but he cannot catch a damn ball, man. Struggles, man. I think Steve Smith said during the broadcast, he needs to get in front of a judge machine. So that's probably what he needs to do and just sit there for a couple hours and catch 500 balls and just work on his hands. Cause it looks like, I mean, this is going to be a reoccurring theme in this offense is the running back out of the backfield, catching the ball. Uh, maybe not with Foreman so much. Although Foreman did have a nice catch for a touchdown that we all saw. And with, he's uh, been working on that, which is yeah. Good. So I think that Foreman's improved in that area. But obviously Christian McCaffrey, thousand yard receiver, just a couple seasons ago, he's uh, it, it's going to be a big part of the offense. So I think who, Chuba definitely needs to improve if he wants to stick around on this team. And we also got to realize how I don't know how much we're going to really see, how much are we really going to see of Chuba in games. I mean, unless Christian goes down, it's going to be, it's going to be McCaffrey and Foreman, you know, the featured backs split. I I mean, obviously Chuba is going to come in there because I know McAdoo likes to use several running backs. He does, but I feel like Chuba's role isn't going to be as much as it was last year. And I mean, unless Christian gets injured. So yeah. That's something also he might be more into a limited role. We got to talk about special teams because that there is still a big asshole there. Obviously, Johnny Hecker, the punter, Jansen makes the roster again, going to uh, he's trying to break, I believe, the most starts for a Carolina Panther this year. I don't know what he's at, but it's close. And then Andre Roberts, they considered him a wideout, but he'll be the returner. And then the big asshole is kicker, which Me and you literally joked about this like two or three weeks ago of Santoso and Sly and the gods are getting us. I think I think (laughs) we jinxed it, man. I really do. But yeah, that is a tough loss. I mean, you go in with one of the most consistent kickers in the league, really, with Gonzalez, who's last season at least. And now you have a a huge hole that really you don't want to be in in the in the kicker uh, purgatory, trying to find the guy. There are a couple out there that are decent um, and a couple that were cut today that I think that Carolina's trying to keep their eye on. But, man, is this a position you don't want to be in? We thought we had the kicker position figured out, and here we are again. He gets injured in warm-up again against the same team again. (laughs) It's just – It's brutal, man. What do you do, man? It's just – I we have an injury-prone kicker, like – who has an injury or prone kicker? The Carolina Panthers did. Yeah, it's it it really sucks because I feel like they were finally getting ahead and 
had limited majority of the injuries and this, that one, that one sucked. I, I don't think Zane is allowed to warm up anymore. You just go out there cold and kick. Um, yeah. But they did bring in some, so I wanted to mention them real quick. Taylor Bertolet, I don't know. That's probably wrong. Brian Johnson, Chase McLaughlin, Eddie Pinero, and then Matthew Wright. Out of those five, I know there was a couple cut today. None of them really, I mean, I think there was maybe a Packers kicker who played well in preseason. I saw that he got cut today. Um, and they're going to try to get him back on the practice squad. Mason Crosby's coming back, so that might be one to watch. But out of the five they tried out, does that do you like any of those guys? Yeah, I do. So I've kind of obsessed over the kicker position for some reason. I don't know. I've taken a, a obsession to it, and I, I like a good kicker. So uh, Eddie Eddie Pinero um, is a guy that came into the league from Florida, first year in the league towards ACL. He was drafted. Uh, or no, he was undrafted. Uh, I think he was with the Jets to start. I, I can't remember what team he started with, but he tore his ACL the first year, and then obviously uh, he got cut, and then they brought in another kicker. He was with the Bears the second year, I believe, tore his ACL again, and then got cut, and then they brought in another kicker. And then I think that the Jets brought him back last season, Yeah, and he didn't miss a field goal. Uh, he was really good in college. Uh, he's just had some terrible luck to start his career with injuries, which, you know, we, we know all about that in Carolina. We're just talking about it. So um, he's, a, he's a good kicker. I, I really think he is. And, and he's, uh, he lost to, he lost the job to Greg Zerline this off season in, in New York, which, who Zerline's a good kicker. Um, but I think Pinero is a good guy to keep an eye on. Um, Nick Skiba from Wake Forest, the local guy, he's from like 30 minutes outside of Charlotte. Uh, the most accurate kicker in college football history. Uh, literally made four, 38 field goals in a row, didn't miss a PAT in his college career, um, was in a competition with Boswell in Pittsburgh, and they owe Boswell a lot of money, so Boswell won. But all of the Pittsburgh Steelers fans were saying Skiba is a, you know, it, it was a guy that they were considering keeping over Boswell. But, you know, it comes down to the money, and they keep Boswell. But Skiba's a guy to keep an eye on. And then there's a guy I don't really know a whole lot about, um, in Tampa, who uh, they have uh, – their kicker is um, – I forgot their kicker's name, but uh, Jose Borelguez, I believe is his last name, uh, is a kicker out of college. Um, he's a rookie that has done really well. Um, they have a, an established kicker in, in – uh, I have him on a, one of my fantasy teams, but I can't remember his name. And they have an established kicker in Tampa, kept him due to money reasons. But uh, Jose is another guy to keep an eye on. So those are three, I think, solid options. And I think that one of those guys, probably Eddie Pinero, just because he's been in uh, for a tryout already, and he has familiarity with Chris Tabor, uh, our off, or our special teams coordinator um, in Chicago. I think that Pinero might be the guy. Yeah, if I had to bet, that's who I think is gonna they're gonna take familiarity a lot, wins over a lot of things most of the time. Uh, and again, he was decent last year. I mean, just solid, 100%. He didn't have a ton of – what did he have here? I think he went like nine for nine or something. He was eight of eight, so eight okay. field goals, extra yeah. points. I'm not seeing – oh, extra points he was nine of ten on. So yeah. pretty good. Um, the other guy they tried out that was decent, just looking statistically, was – McLaughlin was decent. He played with, it looks like, Cleveland last year, which yeah. would be interesting. 
<laughs> uh, 15 of 21 on his field goals. He was 36 of 37 extra points. And then Wright looked like he did pretty well last year for the Jaguars. Played in 14 games, 21 of 24 on field goal attempts, and 13 of 15 on extra points. So I think Addie gets it. You way you know you know way more about this than I do. Um, but again, they definitely need a guy. Someone needs to be kicking. I mean, they might have to call Zilstra back to be the best. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would love that, man. As long as Zilstra makes the roster, I'll take it. But anyway, enough about the kickers. I'm assuming they're going to announce one probably tomorrow because Sam Darnold is probably going to go to the short-term IR, and that's when they're going to make the call on that. Um, we are going to get in just a little bit, just to tease ahead a little bit, we are going to be doing some season projections, so stick around for that, hang around for that. But, Bryce, I want to ask you because we I didn't – get to ask you this yet defense defensively position groups you kind of talked about a little bit weak weakest position group you th- going into the season on defense yeah I think it's the defensive end like I mentioned earlier um Brian Burns and then the uh, starter op- Brian Burns is the weakness to clear that up the opposite starter of him Utah Grasmatos unproven then the backups being Marquise Haynes and Amari Barno like that those are your defensive ends and it's a very thin group. One one guy goes down, which the top three guys, Burns, Grosmatos, and Haynes, have injury histories. Uh, they're not very, uh, you know, they don't have a, a strong health history in the league so far up to this point. So we hope they stay healthy. But if if one of them goes down, then you're looking at Marquise Haynes or Barno being a starter. And I don't think that either of them are ready for this, are ready for that at this point in their career. So – for me, defensive end is the group that scares me the most. Yeah, I'm going to say defensive line, not named Burns, Brown, or Ionitis. I feel like the group behind that, all those other guys are either unproven or unknown, haven't seen a lot of. Um, and it's, it does concern me. I feel like that that position group is going to impact some games and keep teams in games and, you know, change some of the elements. And it's going to, it's going to put more stress on some of these other defensive groups, the corners and do you blitz more and all this other stuff to impact that. And again, maybe we're wrong. Maybe some, uh, you know, Marquis Haynes, you know, finally comes out and starts putting up, you know, six, seven, eight sacks and Matos, proves his second round grade or where he was drafted in. But again, that's a lot of that's unknown. We haven't seen it. They haven't gotten the opportunity. Now is their opportunity? Because every year it seems like Carolina has always brought in a free agent on the uh, opposite side of Burns. So these guys are now getting their opportunities. They better make the most of it. So, and again, Barno, I feel like he's shown some flashes in preseason, um, but Again, he's just, you know, another speed rusher. So something to look for. I mean, watch, because, I mean, they got a really big test week one. We got to talk about one more thing, and then we'll get to the projections. I didn't tweet about it today because I didn't want to stir up any shit. Um, But then it already caught national attention, and it didn't really matter at that point. But we got to talk about the Baker Mayfield comments because, you know, 
uh, some, I don't know if you want to call her a reporter. I think she was a Buffalo Bills reporter. I need to make sure I get this right. Um, her name, her name is Cynthia Freeland. I know that. Oh, you know her name. Yeah. Uh, I know that I, she's been on ESPN and, and, you know, a lot, I think she's an ESPN reporter, but, uh, for the specific team, like Debbie Newton is for us, but, uh, yeah, she's, you know, she's not a, uh, no name reporter on the I'm sideline. sorry. Not, not a bills. She's a Browns reporter. That's what it was. I'm okay. sorry. Oh no, she was a bills. I'm okay. I'm, I'm reading this wrong. She wasn't, she's a Bills sideline reporter, Cynthia Freeland. She said, um, Mayfield had some choice words, or she didn't say this, but according to this article, um, she was talking to Mayfield after the game. Uh, she said she walked up to him and said, I'm excited to see you go kick some butt. Um, she didn't say the F word, or she didn't want to say the F word. Uh, she said, I hope you kick butt, especially week one. I, I cannot wait. And he uses some expletives. And I was like, I hope you, you're like ready. And then he said, uh, and then she said, according to our Mayfield said to her, I'm going to fuck them up. Um, it was a convert. It was a private conversation. She ended up going public with it on a podcast. It of course blew up a couple beat reporters. Uh, one of the beat reporters in Charlotte, I think picked it up and then it just kind of spiraled from there. And of course it's going to turn into, a, uh, I don't know if you want to say a distraction or whatever, but it, it turned into something bigger than really what it should have been. Not surprised. He said it. Don't care. I mean, I don't give a shit that he said it. I kind of wish it wouldn't have gotten out because I don't want to give them any more fuel at all. I don't yeah. want them having any fuel whatsoever. I want them to be embarrassed when they play in, in Charlotte and get their asses kicked for the way they treated him to the guy who brought them to their first playoff in over two decades. But um, so that kind of pissed me off. I'm kind of upset that it, it got out, but not surprised by his comments whatsoever, and it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about Baker Mayfield here. It's the guy that, you know, stuck the Oklahoma flag in the Ohio State midfield um, and that grabs his nuts to the sideline. I mean, nobody's surprised that Baker Mayfield said something like this. I'm not certain on the validity of it coming from her because she kind of like walked back a little bit on it. Uh, she posted a video to the, today, I think on Twitter talking about it uh, that she like Baker Mayfield kind of just agreed with her. Didn't really say it. Just like, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm going to do that. Like, yeah, she kind of uh, said like, I hope you kind of fuck them up or something. Yeah, like kind of yeah. led him into it, but it is what it is. He, he If he said it, he said it like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm just like you. I don't care either way. I hope he fucks them up too. And, I'm sure that's the way he feels about it. I mean, who wouldn't feel that way about being with a team for four years that you were drafted by, that you took them to the playoffs, that you've literally grown from your first day in the NFL, and then they kick you to the curb for a quarterback that's alleged to sexual misconduct. So, like, just like, wow, like, yeah, I probably would want to fuck him up too. So, no issues for me whatsoever on that. Again, I want to be clear. I did not, I do not want, I did not want that getting out at all because I did not want the Cleveland Browns having any fuel going into week one. But again, 
I could care less that he said that. And I like that he said that. We finally have a quarterback who's going to talk a little shit and bring some energy and not stand behind a mic and give vanilla answers for 15 minutes out of the day. So I'm fine with it. But let's go on. Let's move on. I just I had to mention it because it was definitely a talk. And I think Miles Garrett responded and said that they're definitely going to use that as motivation. So should be fun. Should be a good week one. But anyway, let's get to our projections. We did this last year. This year, we're going to do a better job, and I'm going to write down the, what we both say, and then we're going to f- see how we do at the end of the year because we forgot to do that last year. I kind of remember some of the guys from last year that I had on there, but anyway, this should be fun. So we, me and Bryson, we put together two lists, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, X-Factor, a sleeper, and then a record, and we'll do that game by game. For the record, let's start with MVP and I will give you the floor, sir. Well, I didn't want to do the most obvious stuff, but I ended up doing it anyways, um, just because I really think that if the season goes the way that I think it's going to go, this guy is going to be the MVP. And it's the guy that we've spent the past 10 minutes talking about, and it's Baker Mayfield. I think that this team goes as Baker goes uh, for the most part. Um, I think that Baker has shown in the preseason so far that he's really different from what we've had in Carolina since the healthy Cam Newton uh, in 2017. And he brings an aspect to this team that really we haven't had in a long time either, which is the feistiness, the aggressiveness, the the will to win. Um, he's going to hold people accountable. He's going to call people out if they're not doing their job he's going to hold himself accountable and he's going to call himself out. He's not doing his job. So I think that if Carolina does what I expect them to do, which we'll get into later, I think that Baker Mayfield will be the MVP of this team. Yeah, I agree. I know that's obvious too. We're clearly Baker bros. That ain't changing. Um, I watched every game of his in 2020. Well, I guess, shortened versions of every of those games. And if we can get, you know, an ounce of Baker's 2020 season, this team is going to go somewhere this year. So I think it's going to all hinge on him. Um, There's some other, and I'll get into this later, some other things that will play a role into that. But I definitely think if this season is successful, um, it's going to hinge on his play under center. Offensive player of the year, I'm going to go with DJ Moore. He's been the most consistent uh, last three seasons, over 1,000 yards, and you know who he's had at quarterback. It has not been a good class. I mean, a mixed bag of bullshit in 2019. 2020, he had Teddy Bridgewater, and then we know Sam Darnold last year. So DJ Moore, I think he deserves it. Thinks he think he gets more touchdowns this year. I think he's had four the last two years or three. I don't know if it's the last three years, but I know the last two years he had four touchdowns apiece. So I'm hoping that gets bumped up, but this guy does not get respect around the league. I felt like he was snubbed out of the top 100. That's just my personal opinion. Um, but I definitely think DJ Moore is – a damn good receiver and deserves more credit. Who'd you have for offensive player of the year? 
Yeah, I think Steve Smith said it best about DJ Moore is that he's the most underrated receiver in the National Football League. Uh, like you mentioned, back-to-back-to-back thousand-yard receiving years. I think he's top five in NFL history in his first three years in the league, so uh, receiving yards. So the guy gets the job done no matter who's throwing him the ball. But offensive player of the year for me, I think that if this guy stays healthy, it's going to be hard, hard to beat, but it's Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, he's – you know, the most dynamic running back in the NFL, probably the best all-around running back in the NFL. Just availability is the best ability. We all know that saying, and he has to be available. He has to be on the field. And I really hope that this coaching staff really takes into consideration the load management that we've talked about for years with Christian McCaffrey. And we don't have stories coming out like uh, Pat Elfline on Colin Thompson's podcast earlier saying that he was in the locker room throwing up and then taking IVs and then went back out and scored two touchdowns. There's no need to be in that bad of shape. Uh, you have a good backup this year with Dante Foreman and uh, Hubbard, I guess. Uh, but let's take it off. Let's not, you know, rely on him 100% and, you know, give it to him in, in doses. Uh, but I think that if he can stay healthy, I think Christian McCaffrey really uh, is the offensive player of the year on this team. Well, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Who do you got for the, defense player of the year yeah i bounced around a couple ideas here but i think that this is another guy that dante jackson if you can hell no <laughs> i don't think dante jackson is going to start on the either side of the uh of the one or two corners so uh i think that jc horn will be the defensive player of the year when all said is when I, when all is said and done i think that he's gonna have a bounce he might win uh comeback player of the year honestly if he stays healthy and plays the whole season um, which goes the same for defensive player of the year if he stays healthy and plays the whole season. Um, J.C. Horn is the type of corner that literally locks down a whole side of the field, taking away your number one receiver. Um, we saw it in the, in the short time that we had with him last season. Like, I'm pretty sure he, like, allowed, like, a zero passer rating. Like, he – nothing was completed against him in coverage. So, uh, I'm not saying that that's going to happen this year with throughout a whole season, but – he is a very good corner. Uh, I think that he has the ability to be a top five corner in this league. Um, maybe not this year, but he, he can grow into it. And I think that if he stays healthy and plays a full season, he's the best corner on this team. I don't think that's a, you know, a question. And I think that he could be the best defensive player on this team as well. Um, I went with Brian Burns. I feel like he needs to have a pretty good season this year and get over the nine sacks. You know, the, the 11 to 12 sack season, uh, maybe even higher than that. But he needs to have a standout year. He's going to be doubled a lot. He's going to have to roll with it. He's going to have to set the edge and be that leader that, you know, Matt Rule and Shaq Thompson has talked about that he's starting to become and being more vocal and helping, helping some of these younger guys out on defense. But I definitely think, Brian Burns can be that guy, made the Pro Bowl last year, nine sacks last year, nine sacks the year before that. But I feel like he, if if he can play a pretty big role, this defense is going to go places as well. So that's who I'm going to pick for my defensive player of the year. X Factor, um, Bryce and I were talking. This is kind of what, what hinges on the success of this team. Um, I guess you could put Baker in this category. I mean, if that's from my comments before, I I went with Christian McCaffrey, and I know 
we don't want to be, this team doesn't want to be dependent on him. But Christian McCaffrey has proven when he's on the field, he impacts a lot of things. And when he's injured, it impacts this team greatly. Um, whether we want to admit that or not, and whether we want that to be the case or not, I feel like if he stays healthy this year, Carolina offensively is going to be in pretty damn good shape. Yeah, yeah that, that's fair. Uh, and I think that plays into the offensive player of the year that I was talking about earlier. But yeah, it's absolutely he has to stay healthy and means a lot to this team, which we've seen even with Sam Darnold's play last season. But um, for me, I just picked a position group as a whole. And I think that uh, we've, you know, we've had issues here for years and we kind of talked about it earlier, but the offensive line, I think that if they can play up to the caliber that we think they can across the line, if, you know, Aquanu uh, really molds into what we think he can be at left tackle and then this line gets some continuity and, and some uh, just stable play. Uh, I think that the offensive line really, um, if they don't play well, obviously Baker's not going to play well. The running game's not going to be good. Uh, we all know the consequences of a bad offensive line. So I think that the, that position group as a whole is really important to any team, especially this team, um, with a new quarterback and a injury-prone running back. So hopefully this offensive line can stay healthy and they can play well throughout the whole season. Yeah, and speaking of the offensive line, we didn't mention this during the 53-man roster, but hats off to Scott Fitter. He got a fifth-round pick for our, our boy Dennis Daly, who was going to be cut from this yeah. team. So I believe they gave up a seventh-rounder. Is that right? Seventh or sixth-rounder along seventh, with them? Yeah. Seventh, yeah. and then they got a fifth in return. Hey, I'll we'll we'll take a fifth round pick any day for a guy like that. Uh, Absolutely, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. So again, I love I love the way Scott operates. Uh, he's not that GM that is you know by the book. Well, we're not going to be very busy in free agency, and then once free agency's over, the trade shut down. Nothing really happens, and he is definitely keeps fans on their toes because he will act on the fly at just the drop of the hat, which it's fun to watch. It can be erratic. It's not always good, but um, he's had a pretty good rap sheet with trading the Jacksonville and that Chenault trade. And then you had the Henderson one last year. Henderson really came on in training camp and he's hoping for a big year. And if, if, if they can get what they, you know, somewhat got out of Henderson in that trade, like Chanel, they should be pretty, they should be pretty good off. But just wanted to throw that out there because we hadn't mentioned that yet. Sleeper. Who'd you have for your sleeper? Well, I got two because there was a new addition to the team that I think is uh, going to be a sleeper as well. But uh, my first one is Tommy Trimble, um, which, you know, I've talked about. A lot in the, the jersey. That's bold. A lot on the show. Yeah, I, I haven't done it yet, but I'm considering Getting it. Getting a jersey for um, his two catches a game or what? <laughs> no. Yeah, you're, that changes. I think you're going to be surprised because uh, we we all know that McAdoo loves his tight ends. Um, I mean, even Baker has talked about Tommy Trimble uh, and you know the way that he is in the locker room and his ability on the field. I think that they're going to have have a good chemistry. Excuse me. And uh, 
I just think Tommy Tremble does everything well. I really do. I th- he can approve blocking, sure. Um, but I think that he's just so athletic. Uh, coming out of Notre Dame, I, I liked him a lot as a prospect. I think that he has all the tools. Uh, he just needs the opportunity. So I'm hoping that he I, – I, I do believe that he will outperform Ian Thomas, and I think that he is a better tight end than Ian Thomas. And I think that Tommy Tremble is going to be a pretty important part of this offense. Uh, so I think that he's a sleeper. Uh, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people this year, uh, especially, you know, throughout Twitter talking about, you know, how it's the weakest group. We don't have a good tight end, blah, 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 blah. And I'm out here, you know, defending him. I'm like, hey, you get, better keep your eye on Tommy Tremble. He is a he's a legit tight end in this league. So that that's a that's a guy that I'm going to go to bat for. And if you know, if it doesn't pan out, then I'm I'm going to have to answer for my sins. But I think that I think that it will. And then uh, the other guy that I that I had listed was LaVisca Chenault, the new addition um, from Jacksonville. Got him for for pennies on the dollar, a second round pick in 2020 out of Colorado. Uh, really versatile guy. They're, they can use as the wide back, uh, the Debo role like you talked about earlier. Um, really just add another dimension to this team that I think DJ Moore really uh, – DJ Moore and LaVisca Chenault kind of have a similar game. LaVisca is a little bit slower and – uh, not as um, good at route running as DJ Moore is, but they both specialize in yak and LaVisca Chenault, which if you go and just look at his highlights from Jacksonville, he gets yards after the catch. So I think that he's going to add a, a lot to this offense. Um, just a really deep wide receiver core. I cannot remember the last time Carolina top to bottom has had a wide receiver core like they have this season. Um I'm really excited about it. Baker has a lot of weapons. Baker has no excuses this year. If Baker doesn't perform, um, I think that's on Baker this year. If everybody stays healthy, I really do think it's on Baker if he doesn't perform and probably have a hard time finding a job next year uh, if he struggles this this season. So um, really think that he's set up for success. And those two guys are two guys to keep an eye on in Carolina. Yeah, and going back to Tremble, another guy who likes tight ends is Baker Mayfield. Go yeah. back to his Browns days. He was throwing a lot in the Joku to Austin Hooper when he was there. He hooked up a lot to his tight end. So that is someone to watch. I went defensively. I went Amari Barno. Um, if given the opportunity, I feel like he can shine. It all depends on that defensive line, but I think given the opportunity, he showed some flashes, pressures. I think I believe he had a sack or two in the preseason. He's a guy to watch, um, and especially learning under Brian Burns, I think that's going to help him. Um, similar type player, so that's someone to watch for me is Barno. Well, let's go to the record. This is where it'll be interesting. I hope we're not the same. I really do. We might be the same record, but I maybe our who we beat is different. Yeah. Um, I doubt we're the same record. I really do because I feel I'm, like you you are always more realistic, and I'm always I'm I know I'm I'm either into the spectrum. I'm very negative or very positive. So, and you're always like right in the middle. I, I feel like so. I feel like you. Yeah. Uh, this year I'm not. <laughs> well, well, we'll, we'll so, see. We'll see. Um, why don't we start and not reveal everything right away? Why don't we start with one, two, three, four, five, the first six games. Okay. No, let's, let's start with the first three. Okay. So September, um, I have them going, 
I have them beating the Browns, beating the Giants, and losing to the Saints. Wow, okay. So two and one to start the season. What do you got? I got three and zero to start the season. I think they better start three and zero. Losing to the Saints that that's the home game. You know that's the Saints are coming to Bank of America. I think that they need to start three and zero. We'll get into it in a little bit. They have a gauntlet of a schedule towards the middle. Um, starting three and zero is pretty important, I think, to the season. So uh, that's what I have. W against Cleveland. W against Giants. W against New Orleans. Team gets off to a hot start like they did last season. Look, thinking about the Saints one and out, I think a lot of people think they can go three and zero. Is I feel like I don't know if Jameis is going to be there in January, and that's what I banked off of. That was kind of my projection um, and my thinking behind that. Um, so we move on to October, which is a tough test. Yeah. Um, what'd you have for October? So that is the Cardinals, Niners, Rams, and Bucks game. I have a loss against Arizona, which I know is a team that we've typically won against, but I feel like it's a little different this year. Um, we didn't play Kyler last season, and uh, I just think that they're a good team, and I, they're, it's in it's in Arizona, um, and I think that Carolina just doesn't pull out a win there. I got them winning against San Francisco. I don't think that – I think that will be a close game. I think San Francisco is a, a very talented team, and depending on how well Trey Lance plays, um, which, you know, news today uh, – Jimmy Garoppolo restructured his contract and he's going to be the backup, which is a little concerning to me. If I'm a 49ers fan, uh, it really says to me that they're not committed to Trey Lance. So we'll see what happens there. But I feel like the Panthers have enough to beat San Francisco. So winning there, losing against the Rams, the Super Bowl champions, just too talented of a team. Aaron Darnold scares, scares the hell out of me. Um, of course, Jalen Ramsey and – a gauntlet of just a gauntlet of a team. And then I have them losing to Tampa Bay. So I have them going one and three in October. Yeah, I, I just changed one of mine. So, um, and that all, I mean, obviously changes the record. So yeah. I have them beating Arizona. I think with just their track record, they've beaten Kyler Murray once Matt rule has, they beat yeah. the Cardinals last year. I don't know. I just feel like Carolina has this team's number. I don't care who the hell they got in their roster, to be totally honest with you. So I'm going to say a win versus Arizona. That puts them at three and one. I have them beating the Niners. So that we're at four and one. I have them losing to the Rams. That just, that team's on another another level. They are. It's, I don't think Carolina has the firepower for that at, at all. Um, on both sides of the ball, um, D line especially, and and then I did have them beating the Bucks, but I just switched it. I I I was optimistic they could maybe split a game against Tom Brady, but I don't know, man. I don't think it's going to happen. That's a little tease ahead to my in the later. I think I think they I think they get swept by the Bucks. So I'm going to say they lose. They lose that one. So I have them going two and two in a very hard October. So that puts them at four and two. 
out of October. That's pretty damn optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I'm at what three? I'm at four and three. Four and three. Yeah. So four and three, four and two. All right, let's go to. Looks like November. No, end of October into November. So you have the Falcons, Bengals, Falcons, Ravens. Let's go with those. Let's go four. Let's go by okay. fours. And I will start here. I have them losing to Atlanta. I believe that's on the road. Yes. October 30th is on yeah, the road. Yeah, that one's on the road. So I have them losing in Atlanta. I have them losing to the Bengals. Again, I feel like that team is on another level. I have them winning, beating Atlanta. Black helmets, the all-black, they are going to cut that fucking curse and get get it out. They're on national television. I feel like they're going to win that game. I'm going to be there. I can't fucking wait for that game. I think they beat Atlanta. And then I have them losing to Ravens. So actually, November, end of October, November is is still tough. So I have them going one and three out of those games. Yeah. And I think that all those are what, fair. What but, do you got? What do you got? Uh, so I don't think that they're going to lose a game to Atlanta. I think Atlanas one of the worst. Oh, teams so in the they league, get the so. sweep on Atlanta. I think they're going to sweep Atlanta both of those games. Uh, I think that Carolina is on another level from that Atlanta team. Uh, Atlanta just doesn't have a whole lot, especially on defense. Um, I think Mariota is going to be a decent quarterback, but um, no running back, really no receivers. I mean, it's they got Kyle Pitts. That's about it. So I think that Atlanta is going to be one of the worst teams in the league, and I don't think Carolina is going to lose to them at all. And then I think – so I, I struggled here because I think Carolina is going to upset one of these teams throughout the schedule, um, either the Ravens, Cincinnati, the Cardinals, Denver – that we'll get into later, but I, I chose Cincinnati for the upset. Um, I think that Cincinnati is going to take a step back this year. I don't think that they're going to be on the same level that they were last year. I think Burrow really um, was, was riding a wave and I just, I, I'm just not confident in the Bengals again to re- replicate what they did last season. So I think that if Carolina can't pull an upset over one of these teams, I, I would feel more confident in it being Cincinnati than any of the other teams that I mentioned. So um, I got them winning against Cincinnati. Not Baltimore? No, I think Baltimore is uh, – uh, I think Baltimore is one of my dark horse Super Bowl teams this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. So, I okay. think that very, very good uh, defense has upgraded a lot. And, um, you know, wide receiver core, not the greatest. But Lamar Jackson, contract year, I think yeah. that Baltimore is going to be really good. So, um, which I have them losing to Baltimore. So, I have them going three and one in those four games, beating Atlanta twice upsetting Cincinnati, which, you know, it, it is a question mark, really. I mean, obviously, it could go either way easily. Uh, well, not either way easily. It could definitely go as a loss easily. Um, but I have faith that they're going to pull an upset against one of these teams throughout their schedule, and I think that it could be against Cincinnati. So three and one uh, through those games. So where does that put you at? You want to add that up? I, I was trying to add mine up while you were talking. I think I got – I have them all on the tail end of November at five and six. If I have, if I counted that right, I'm at one, two, three. I'm at six and yeah, because you had a six and four, five. Oh, I missed one. One, two, three, four. 
five, six. I have five and six somehow. That doesn't. Oh have... wait, no, no, I'm I'm six and five. I didn't count. Those okay, ones. so we're, we've flipped now. So okay, and then let's go into the next four, which is Denver, Seattle, Pittsburgh, and Detroit. Who? What do you have there? Yeah, I think that the Denver game has changed a lot with uh, Russell Wilson. I think that they're going to be a very good team, and I don't think that Carolina can go into Denver. It's it's at Denver. No, it's it's in Carolina. But I don't think that Carolina can, can beat the Broncos. I, I really don't. Um, the Broncos are a very talented team on both sides of the ball, um, especially on defense. And then with the addition of Russell Wilson, of course, and a really deep wide receiver core, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, good offensive line. They really don't have a weakness. Um, so uh, I think that Denver gets to win there. And then week 13 is the bye week. And then they come back out against some of the worst teams in the league, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Detroit. Uh, I think they smoke all three of them. Uh, Pittsburgh might be close, um, but I think that Carolina is just a, a level above those teams. Um, and I think that they, they win all three of those. So going three and one out of those four games. Yeah, I am same across the board. I, I think Denver is going to be too much for them. That is in Carolina, but – I don't think that's going to give much help to them. Seattle, probably the, it might be the worst team in the league this year. Um, Steelers, I think at, by that point, Kenny Pickett's going to be playing, but I think they I think they win that game. Lions, I think they're above them. Um, so again, I I would say three and one out of that four game stretch. I keep going back and forth because I don't want to be as even keel as I usually am because now my record is pretty even keel of what I consistently predict every year. But anyway, I changed that box game. That's what changed it. Um, so at this point I would have them, what is three and five is eight. I have them at an eight and seven going into, let's see here, eight and seven going into January. Where do you have, what are they at for you? Yeah. So I went back, uh, I'm not good at math. I can't count very well. So I was at that last point that we were talking, I was at seven and four. So with the three wins, um, against Seattle, Pittsburgh and Detroit, I haven't met, or, uh, I was at. You'd be at 10 and four, 10 and four. Yeah. Or no, 10 and five. Right. <laughs> well, let's get rid of the math. Fuck yeah. We don't care no, about that. No, it's 10 and five, 10 and five. 10 and five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. At 10 and five uh, through week 16 of the season, which is very ambitious, but I think that this team can do it if they stay healthy. So I have them at eight and seven right now. Um, again, I had changed my Bucks game before. So I have them closing out the season, losing the Bucks, them getting swept by them. I just don't think, I mean, barring any injuries from Tampa Bay, I don't see them beating them. Um, and then I have them finishing out the season with a victory over the Saints. So they split the Saints series, split the Falcon series, and get swept by the Bucks. And that leaves them at nine and eight. I had 10 and six, but I changed that Bucks score. 10 and seven. <laughs> or 10 and seven, sorry. Yeah, I, uh, I have them losing to Tampa and losing to New Orleans to finish out the season. Um, but – uh, so that puts me at 10 and seven with my prediction. That's, that's my prediction that I have. Uh, obviously, you know, the prediction of them beating Cincinnati, them beating San Francisco, uh, them losing to Arizona or them losing to the Saints to end the season. I think 
all those games can go either way. So I think 10 and seven, nine and eight is nine and eight is I think a pretty safe range. I think this team can go 10 and seven and I think this team can go eight and nine, but I think nine and eight is, is right in there. But my prediction officially is 10 and seven. I honestly kind of want to change and put them beating the Ravens. I think that could be an upset game. So who knows? But anyway, I'm in that nine to eight, 10, seven range. I think I can't see them going below nine wins. I mean, yeah. I don't think Matt rule survives if they go eight and eight. Uh, or I mean, eight, eight nine. and nine, these fucking game changes is messing <laughs> with my head. We're not mathematicians here. <laughs> but anyway, you get the point. Nine, we're kind of very similar. Nine and eight, 10 and seven. I think is a pretty decent year. And I do think they can get in with one of those records. Yeah. The uh, NFC know, is not very good. Look at Philadelphia last year. They squeaked in and they were not very good. So again, uh, some higher hopes, um, definitely a different, a 180 from doing our episode in January with what Kevin and, uh, JJ and, um, um, Edgar, right? Yep. Um, definitely a change of perspective since then of where this team is headed. But it's it's. I think it's going to be an interesting year. It's Baker Mayfield trade obviously has changed perspectives on things and has made it definitely more exciting for us as fans. So that is exciting to see, and it should be a fun year. I think so, man. I'm. I think I think people can tell I'm excited. About the season, and I think that if health is on our side and uh, find Matt a kicker, Rule, yeah, we can find a kicker, and Matt Rule improves in some areas that he's lacked in his coaching career up to this point, then I think that this team can, you know, get to nine and ten wins and hopefully get into the playoffs. And at that point, we're going to be talking about a Baker Mayfield contract extension, I believe. So we'll see what happens. Yes, we will see what happens. Next week's going to be a good one. We got um, one of the guys who had joined us, I think, in July after the Baker Mayfield trade, really knowledgeable about the Browns. He will be joining us next week to talk and preview that Browns game. I'm very excited for that. We might have another guest. We'll see. But that look forward to that. Exciting times for the Carolina Panthers and fans. We just want to thank everyone for listening to Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcast. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always, 